Bibles with me, please, this morning to the book of Acts in the first chapter. Acts chapter 1. What a beautiful Lord's Day it has turned into. Uh, yesterday morning wasn't so pretty, but uh, today is a gorgeous day. It's good to see everyone out and with us this morning. We do have several that are sick and not able to be here, so keep them in your prayers. You know, Thursday, uh, Donna sent me a text message wanting to know if I was okay. I didn't know what was going on. I mean, I knew we were having some heavy rain, and in fact, um, Bruce Reeves was here, and so was Sean Cavender. We were studying and preparing for a debate coming up next year on the uh, subject of Jesus' second coming, and so that's going to be in Amarillo, by the way. That was just finalized a few weeks ago, but that's going to be taking place in July of next year, and uh, anyway, we had gone... Uh, to lunch and we were coming back and it was just pouring down and got back to the office and things started coming in. Donna texted me, wanted to know if everything was okay and I was looking around, what's going on? Well, there was a tornado just right up the street, right? Just right between here and Bass Pro Shop. I went across the highway right there at the old putt-putt golf place that's been torn down and tore up uh, the cemetery there a little bit, tore up the trees and over here on Baseline going through, or Mabelville, um, going through the back way. I was going through there the other day, and trees were down everywhere. So I uh, had some bad weather. It is that time of year. But thankfully, we're all well and able to be here this morning. Jesus is coming again. Ashton just led us in a song, Jesus is coming soon. And it is true that Jesus is coming a lot sooner then for all of us in, on a personal level, we're all going to face him rather soon enough. I don't know when Jesus is coming back. Nobody does. We don't know if it's going to be today or next year or maybe another thousand years from now. But his coming is sooner today than it was yesterday. And it's sooner today than it was 2,000 years ago. Jesus is coming back. And there are several passages in the New Testament that teaches the return of Jesus Christ. Yes, it is yet future. In Acts, the first chapter, one such passage is given to us. We're going to begin reading actually in verse 1, kind of getting the context. The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up, after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled with, together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Now, when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up, 
and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. There are a lot of views about Jesus coming again. Eschatology is a theological term that's used, the doctrine of end times. You have a variety, as I said, of views about this. You have the premillennial view. I don't know how many of you listen to the radio broadcast. If you tune in a little early, you may listen to the guy that's on right before us, David Jeremiah. And he's been talking about the last three weeks, I think, on premillennialism, about Jesus coming. He'd been telling all these stories of different individuals, kind of like the Tim LaHaye uh, books of um, what was the name of them? those books? Uh, Left Behind, that whole series by Tim LaHaye. It's kind of like that. He's just telling personal stories uh, about people who, you know, like this one fella he talked about just the other day, uh, got up in the morning, kissed his wife goodbye, went off to work. He got there, and lo and behold, a bunch of folks were not there. And so he's wondering what happened, and he calls his wife, and she doesn't answer the phone. He calls his daughter. She doesn't answer the phone. He calls his mom, or tries to. She doesn't answer the phone. He finally gets a hold of his dad, and his dad says, Well, I got up this morning, and, and your mom was just gone. And, you know, all, uh, the secret coming, the rapture had taken place, supposedly, and then all these terrible things began to happen to this guy. And uh, that, that's the story, it's, of, of the end of time or when Jesus comes again. My friend, that's not what's going to happen when Jesus comes again. I want to give you a different story. Maybe it's this afternoon. You're sitting at home in your easy chair watching television or you're watching the Razorback baseball game on the Internet. And you're sitting there watching and all of a sudden everything gets bright and there's this great noise and, this, and all of a sudden, Jesus is present. And every eye sees him. And all are gathered before him. Everything comes to an end. We just sang the song about telling this world goodbye. We're meeting the Lord in the air. That's exactly what's going to happen. This world is going to be destroyed. It's going to be set on fire and destroyed. The elements of it will be totally destroyed. That's a little different than the premillennial view. The premillennial view has two different resurrections, or three, depending on which brand of premillennialism you're talking about. Uh, they have a material earthly reign of Christ on the earth for a thousand years. His kingdom will be in effect during that thousand year period on the earth. Why in the world would Jesus go to heaven, receive all authority from the Father, sit at, the, sit at his right hand judging the nations as King of kings and Lord of lords, as our high priest and our mediator, and then come back to this earth again. Why would he want to do that? That's not the point. That's not the plan. Never has been. Things do not go from earthly to spiritual and back to earthly again. <laughs> it's just the opposite. They go from earthly to spiritual. And spiritual is the is, is, is as high as you can get. 
the future comings of Jesus, there's one coming for secretly for the saints, and then there's another coming in which he establishes his kingdom and judges the world, according to premillennial theology, uh, eschatology. And then you have the judgment. There are two future. There's a world that is going to be transformed, and Jesus is going to reign for a thousand years before the end finally comes. But then you have a couple of other views. Postmillennialism, which uh, very few people hold to these days. The biggest difference between postmillennialism and what the Bible says is that the view says that there is an improvement in morality on the earth. Things will eventually improve to the point where Christ's kingdom is ushered in and fulfilled. Well, things are not getting better. Things are getting worse. And then you have the biblical teaching. Jesus is coming again. We'll all be raised and we'll all stand before the Lord. He is now reigning as King of kings and Lord of lords. The kingdom is present, not coming. And He is coming in the future. He will come to judge the world and raise the dead. And this world will be destroyed. Then you have this other view, one more view, transmillennialism or realized eschatology or AD 70 AD. That is really catching fire. And there are a lot of people. In fact, I had a fellow tell me uh, just two weeks ago. He said this. He said that he is converting a gospel preacher once a month to this transmillennial or realized eschatology view, which teaches that the resurrection has already happened. Jesus has already come back. His reign and everything, he began his reign, but it's kind of like he took it and he handed it to the Father all at one time. And he's not coming again. He's never coming again. The judgment has already occurred, and this world will never be destroyed. That's the view that some folks are taking. But uh, I want to say to you, Jesus is coming again. He's coming back, and he is going to judge the world. Jesus himself is actually coming personally. Jesus is returning personally. He's returning visibly, Acts 1.11. Jesus is coming audibly. We will hear his voice. When he comes, there will be a shout and the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God. Jesus is coming back personally, visibly, and audibly. He's coming back with angels, with his angels, with his mighty angels in flaming fire taking vengeance on them that know not God and obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's coming with power, and He's coming with glory. Jesus is actually coming again. Going back to Acts 1, verses 9 through 11, you know, the disciples were standing there watching Jesus ascend into heaven. They were watching Him go up until the clouds received Him out of their sight. They watched Him go out of their sight. They were looking steadfastly, gazing up at where he had disappeared in the clouds. And then these two men, these angels, said to them, Jesus will come in like manner as you saw him go. Just as you saw him go, he's going to be seen returning. He's going to be seen. It's going to be visible. It's going to be personal. And there is no question, Jesus himself is coming again. Jesus is on his way back one of these days, according to Paul in 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 15 through 17. Paul writes, for this we say to you by the word of the Lord. In other words, there's the authority behind what Paul's about to say. This is what Jesus says. 
that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. So Jesus is coming again. But those who are alive and remain will not prevent or keep those who have already died from rising first. He says in verse 16, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Paul puts it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He says, the Apostle Paul says, that in the moment, in the twinkling, twinkling of an eye, we shall all be changed. That's what's going to happen when Jesus comes again for the righteous, for the, for the child of God. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we shall be changed and we shall be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we always be with the Lord. We're not coming back here. We're not returning to the world again, to the earth. We're going to be with the Lord forever and ever. This passage does not teach a secret, silent rapture of the saints, does it? It teaches the personal coming of Jesus Christ. It teaches the audible, visible coming of Jesus Christ. And it teaches that all, well, all the saved, will meet the Lord. Now, there's another passage in 2 Thessalonians that deals with the unrighteous. In the book of 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 6 through 10, Paul writes this, And to give you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. That word revealed is from the Greek word apocalypto, which means an unveiling, a revealing. And he's going to be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. In flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power when He comes in that day to be glorified in His saints and to be admired among all those who believe because our testimony among you was believed. Jesus is coming again. He's coming to receive unto himself his own people, and he's coming to judge the world. Those who do not believe and who do not obey the gospel will be punished with everlasting destruction from his presence, from his power. Some things that will occur when Jesus comes back. First of all, all will be raised. In the book of John, the fifth chapter, verses 28 and 29, Jesus makes this point. That all who are in the graves will hear his, my voice and come forth. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life. Those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. Do not marvel at this, he says. This is going to happen. The hour is coming. In which all who are in the grave will hear his voice and come forth. The good and the bad. The godly and the ungodly. All will hear his voice. In the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians 15, the apostle Paul writes this. Beginning in verse 20, he says, But now Christ is risen from the dead, and has become the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. 
For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. For each one in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterward those who are Christ at his coming. Then comes the end, when he, is deli- when he delivers the kingdom of God to the Father, when he has put an end to all rule and all authority and power. For he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. And the last enemy is death. So Jesus will raise all the dead. As in Adam, all die. And in Christ, all will be made alive. All will come forth, the good and the bad. And Jesus will then judge the world as appointed by the Father in Acts 17, verses 30 and 31. That's why it is encouraged for all of us to repent. For God has commanded all men everywhere to repent. For he has appointed a day in which he will judge the world by the man whom he has chosen, the man Jesus Christ. In Matthew 25, in verses 31 and 32, Jesus Christ is pictured as sitting on his throne, and he calls before himself all nations, and he separates the peoples from each other. The goats will be on one side, the sheep on the other. The goats are the ungodly, the sheep are the godly. The unrighteous are the goats, the sheep are the righteous. There's a separation. And in this separation, you have the ones on the left hand, the goats, who are instructed to depart from him. And they will be cast into, fire, into the lake of fire. And they will, be, they will experience everlasting destruction and torment. To judge the world. It is true that when you die as parable or the story of the rich man and Lazarus Lazarus knew where he was when he died he was in Abraham's bosom the rich man lifted up his eyes in torment it's not a matter of knowing where you're going to be knowing your condition or your status before God it's the ultimate and final sentencing that takes place when Jesus returns again there's the judgment everyone will then be either Sent into heaven or cast into hell with the devil and his angels. But this is going to happen when Jesus comes again. There is a judgment day coming where every person, 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ and give an account of the things we've done in our body, whether it be good or bad. And that's why Paul goes on and he says, therefore we try to persuade every man Jesus is coming again, and he's going to judge righteously. He's going to judge according to our works. He's going to judge us according to whether we have accepted him or not, by obeying him and trusting in him or not. He's going to judge us. If we reject him, if we reject him as Lord, if we do not obey him, we will be lost forever and ever. Jesus, when he comes, will glorify the saints. The righteous will be taken into heaven and to reign with him forever and ever, to be with him, to be in the presence of the Father forever and ever and ever. In the book of 1 Peter, I don't have this particular passage on the chart, but in the book of 1 Peter chapter 1, the apostle Peter there 
is encouraging Christians to persevere through their trials, through their suffering. And he begins by stating in verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though for now, for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen you love, Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. There's the eternal rest that is promised in heaven for us. And as the Apostle Paul also says in the book of Romans in the 8th chapter, in verses 17 and 18, Paul there makes, it, makes the point, he says, And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and join heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. For I consider that the, that the suffering of, sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us. Things that will occur when Jesus comes again. For the righteous, glorification, salvation, everlasting life is realized. But the wicked will be punished. Punished, separated eternally from the presence of God and from the glory of his power. 2 Thessalonians 1, 7 through 9. Not only, of course, will they be punished, this punishment will be everlasting itself. When he comes in that day to be glorified in his saints, the wicked will be cast away from the Lord's presence. Those who do not obey the gospel. In Matthew chapter 40, 25, verses 41 through 46. In Matthew 25, and verses 41 through 46. I know there is a growing disbelief in hell. More and more are doubting the very existence of such a place. They think it's all just figurative. They think that when everything is said and done, the wicked will simply be annihilated. They'll cease to exist, and that's the end of it. Well, I don't see what kind of punishment that is, because when you are not existent, you don't feel anything. You don't know anything. You don't experience anything. In Matthew, the 25th chapter, and verse 41, beginning, Then he will also say to those on the left hand, that's the goats, Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. How long is the fire going to exist? It's everlasting. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not take me in. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them saying, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it not to one of the least of these, you did it not to me. And these will go into everlasting punishment, 
but the righteous into eternal life. The punishment of the wicked is just as long as the blessedness of the righteous. The punishment of the wicked is everlasting. Now, if they ceased to exist when Jesus came again, their punishment would not be everlasting. Their punishment would be instantaneous. It would be at least temporary, to say the least, and it would cease. But that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said that their punishment will be everlasting. Punish the wicked. I don't want to be there. The present order will be destroyed. It will cease to exist. In the book of 2 Peter chapter 3, in verses 10 through 13, the apostle Peter there talks about what will happen when Jesus comes again. Now, okay, in the beginning of this chapter, he is talking about various judgments of the past. And he's talking about how there are those who will scoff at the idea of Jesus coming again and there being a judgment and this world is going to come to an end. He he says that there are some folks who are going to scoff at that. Verse 3, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days walking according to their own lust and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the Father fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. You know, we've been rocking on here for 2,000 years almost since Peter wrote these words, since Jesus was crucified. And was raised from the dead and instructed his apostles to teach the gospel and spread the gospel to all nations. And those angels said to these very same apostles that the day is coming when he would come in like manner as you saw him go. So, okay, there there are going to be some scoffers. But in verse 9 it says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering to us. Now, What time is taking place is due to the fact God is long-suffering. And God does not desire that any person perish, but that all come to repentance. But in verse 10, there is this exclamation. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, the elements will melt with fervent heat, both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up, Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, without spot, and blameless." And some say, well, that's just apocalyptic language, much like what Jesus said in Matthew 24 as he's describing the destruction of Jerusalem. And it is true that there are passages that use apocalyptic language and and speak of the fall of nations in similar ways. I, I understand that. But what you have in the previous judgments, and the previous judgments on different nations and on different peoples, and including the people of Israel and Jerusalem, the city itself, and the destruction of Jerusalem that happened in 70 A.D. You know what? All of those are simply types or shadows of the reality of what is yet to come. Because the day is coming 
when God is going to take everything that is material out of the way. The very words that the Apostle Peter uses here are very explicit. And they are very specific. The elements, the very building blocks and foundations of material matter will be consumed and done away with. Everything that exists, both the heavens and the earth, and all that is material is going to be done away with. Dissolved. And the elements will melt with fervent heat. The present order of things will be destroyed. And the spiritual, the renewed spiritual existence and eternal existence will then remain. The Hebrew writer speaks of something very similar in Hebrews chapter 1. Talking about what Jesus is going to do in verses 8 through 10. How he's going to fold this, he's the one who created it all. And he's going to fold it all back up. And he's going to take it all away. And when Jesus comes again, according to 1 Corinthians 15, verses 23 through 28, Jesus is not going to come to establish his kingdom. Jesus, when he comes again, is going to deliver the kingdom to the Father. He has to reign until that final enemy is conquered, and that final enemy is what? Death. And when that death is conquered, then, that's in the resurrection, when all men are raised and... All men are changed in the moment in the twinkling of an eye and death is conquered. Then the kingdom is going to be given back to the Father and Jesus puts an end to all rule and authority and power. That's what's going to happen when Jesus comes again. Now my friend, when Jesus comes again, there will be no hiding. There will be no escape. For every even those who are in the grave, those who are in the depths of the sea, they have been, been consumed by the animals in the sea and by the worms of the earth or other creatures as well. They are all gone as far as physical life and existence is concerned. But you know, when Jesus comes again, all who are in the grave will hear his voice. No hiding. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. No exceptions. You can't call in sick on that day. You can't hide. You cannot ignore this meeting. This meeting is certain. This meeting is individual. You can't get out of it. Neither can I. This is an appointment that every single person must meet. You've all heard it said, there are only two things certain in life, and that's death and taxes. Well, actually, death is not absolutely certain because there is a possibility that Jesus may come today, and we may not experience physical death. Okay? And it is, certain, it is also true that you can get away with not paying your taxes. Now, that's not, I'm not advising that for sure because they will find a way to excise that from you if they catch you. But nevertheless, I'll tell you one thing that you cannot escape that is unavoidable, and that is meeting the Lord on the day of judgment. When he comes again, there's no escaping that meeting. Every work will be brought into judgment. You, there's not a single thing you've ever done, not a single thing that you've ever thought 
that has escaped the eyes of our Lord. Not a single thing. He knows what you do in your secret place. In Bible class this morning, we were talking about how our growth is manifested. Well, by our works, by our fruits, we can know whether a person is growing or not. But I pointed out that there are some people who are who do put on a pretty good show. And they appear to be righteous, they appear to be godly, but the reality is they're not when they get outside of the people of God. When they're in the world, they live like the world. You may fool men, you may fool me, you may fool the elders, but let me tell you, you are not going to fool the Lord. You're not hiding from Him. He knows where you are. He knows what you're doing. Listen, what if Jesus came last night at 9.30 p.m.? Where were you? What were you doing? What if Jesus came then? Everything that you do is known by Him. That's why it's important. Listen, if there's something wrong in your life, you need to take care of that. You need to repent of it. Turn back to Him. So that he'll forgive you. He will. If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins. But if you meet the Lord guilty of those sins without repenting of your sins and turning away from them, you're going to be held accountable for that. Everything's going to be made known. You may be able to hide it from people right now, but the day is coming when everything's going to be revealed. God's judgment is going to be impartial. You're not going to be able to pay him off, bribe him, talk him out of it. You can't plead your case. This isn't live PD where you pull, you know, the cop pulls you up and if you're just real nice to him, he may give you a warning. That's not what's going to happen. There is no partiality. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Now, the ungodly, the sinners, they will make that confession. They'll make that confession before the Lord. They will acknowledge Him as Lord. And they'll also obey Him when He sends them off into eternal condemnation. Every work will be made known. And His judgment righteous. The righteous will receive everlasting life in heaven. The wicked everlasting punishment in hell. That's our choice. Now, as I said, I don't know when Jesus is coming again. I don't know. I do know that this world is becoming more and more corrupt as time goes by. Of course, it's been doing that for a long time, hasn't it? Matthew 24, verses 36 through 39, but of that day and hour, no one knows. Not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Now, Jesus had been discussing the destruction of Jerusalem prior to this. He talked about all these signs that are going to accompany the destruction of Jerusalem. When God's judgment is going to be poured out on Jerusalem for persecuting the prophets that he sent to her. And for, for crucifying the Son of God. God's going to pour out his wrath, and he did in 70 A.D. That's true. But Jesus now switches. He says, of that day and hour... Not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as, in the days, but as the days of Noah were, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. There were no signs then. Except Noah building the ark. And Noah telling the people, 
there's, there's judgment coming. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. In Mark 24, 42, Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. Therefore you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming in an, at an hour you do not expect. In Matthew 25, 13, Watch therefore, for you, do not, for you do not know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. Mark 13, 32, But of that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. In 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 2, Paul there says, For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night. In 2 Peter 3 and verse 10, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. What's the idea of a thief? What's the illustration point to? Well, it points to something happen, happening you're not ready for. A thief doesn't come by announcing his coming. He doesn't give you signs, and he doesn't make an appointment to break into your house. You just have to be ready. Behold, I'm coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments lest he walk naked and they see his shame. Now God knows when this is. I don't. Now there, was, there were those who were troubled by some of the statements of the Lord. And some of the things that Paul himself had even said in the book of 1 Thessalonians. Because Paul writes in 2 Thessalonians not to be troubled about these things. Because before that day came there was going to be a falling away first. So there had to be a, an apostasy take place. There had to be a departure from the Lord. Now, the things that were going to set that in motion were already in play when Paul wrote these words, according to 2 Thessalonians 2, 1 through 10. But nevertheless, it was still a ways away. And Paul says that, don't be too concerned, it's, it's not going to happen until after the falling away first. Paul also writes in 1 Timothy chapter 4, and verses 1 through 4, that in the latter days, the last days, perilous times will come. After a long time, you know, some, many of the parables that are referencing the final coming of the Lord, they speak of the Lord being gone for a long time. And he's gone so long that, the, that his disciples begin to wonder, well, maybe he's not coming back. And so they begin to be careless. And he comes finding them not prepared. I don't know when that's going to be. In 2 Peter chapter 3, as we read a while ago, there are going to be scoffers who say, after all this time, he still hasn't come back. He's not coming. Restrained by his long suffering. God is waiting. He's patiently waiting. But there's going to come a day in which that waiting runs out. And he will come, the Lord Jesus himself will come unexpected and unaware. When he comes, there will be many caught off guard. There will be many not prepared to meet the Lord. And so the Apostle Peter says in 2 Peter 3.14, Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found in him, by him in peace, without spot, and blameless, 
And consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. He's waiting for you. But he's not going to wait forever. Because there are many who will be found not ready. Don't be one of them. Now, we prepare for important events. We prepare for tests. If you're in school, you prepare for tests. If, if you're at work and you're trying to advance, you prepare to, you know, give uh, your presentation, your resume, trying to get a promotion, whatever it may be, you prepare for those events. We may prepare for a doctor's appointment or surgery. We prepare for important events. We prepare for the arrival of a newborn baby. We prepare for our funerals. We buy life insurance. And prepaid burial plans. But do we prepare to meet the Lord? There is not a single meeting in your life, in your existence, that will ever be nearly as important as this one. And you better be prepared. If you have not obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ, you're not prepared. In Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27, it is appointed unto men after... To die, and after this, the judgment. That's coming. That's in your future. And you will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And our preparation to meet God indicates whether we are wise or unwise, like those foolish virgins in Matthew 25. Or the, the, the servant who went out and buried that one talent in the ground. He wasn't ready when his Lord did return and re required an accounting for what he had left. Our preparation to meet God determined, it tells everybody whether we're wise or foolish. Only, only those who are in Christ and living faithfully for him are prepared to meet him. What about you, my friend? Requires intent. You're not, you're not going to accidentally fall into heaven. You're not going to accidentally be prepared to meet the Lord. You have to intend to do this. You have to trust the Lord. You have to place your faith and your trust and your confidence in Him. Listen, let me tell you. You can deny His coming. You cannot believe it, refuse to believe it. You can tell everybody that you know that He's not coming. You can lie to yourself, but the day is going to come when He does. Except you believe that I am He, Jesus said, you will die in your sins. Repentance. Yes, God is long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. If you're going to be prepared to meet the Lord, you're going to have to repent. If there's sin in your life, you're going to have to turn from it. You're going to have to turn in your heart and your mind to the Lord and, and serve Him, confessing Him as Lord, as the risen Son of God, and being baptized into Christ. And being raised then to walk in newness of life, we must continue to obey, to serve, and follow Jesus Christ. We cannot return back to sin. And purpose. You have to purpose to serve the Lord. Again, you will not accidentally find yourself in the presence of God on, his, on the sheep side. You have to purpose and give diligence to be there. We can mock the warnings of Scripture. 
We could ignore the warnings of Scripture. We can tell ourselves that it's not going to happen and find ourselves unprepared, but the day is coming when He is coming back. We choose. We can be prepared and we can humbly heed the warnings. We can humbly heed His pleas. We can receive His long-suffering and repent. That's up to us. My friend, that's up to you. That's up to you this morning. And if there's something in your life that you need to turn away from, if there's something in your life that you need to, to correct, if you need to obey the gospel by being baptized into Christ, then do it this morning. Because listen, Jesus might come before we get in our car. You don't know. If we can help you in your obedience to the gospel, please let us while together we stand. While we stand.